turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to answering your phone calls and taking questions, whatever's on your heart or mind. I'll do the best I can. Uh, You just need to call us. 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in using our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. More on that in a moment. Um, and if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Uh, hit one button, call now. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. 340-9585 is our main number. Let me begin today by apologizing for not being here yesterday. Actually, we were here and we were ready, uh, but we um, we suffered a really difficult thing this weekend and uh, we just couldn't get there. Um, let me explain. We uh, Saturday morning, sometime around 3 o'clock, uh, we were hit with a, 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 a very purposeful and malicious um, cyber attack to our servers. Um, my computer uh, was one of the ones that was hit the worst. Uh, and we're like starting over. I mean, these are horrible, horrible things. I keep thinking, who in the world would do such a thing? Now, I know because we have a public profile, there's people who don't like what we say. They don't like the answers to some of the questions. And we sort of expect some of this. But this was a particularly devastating attack. And we're sort of like Luddites now. Uh, we're, we're barely going on. We had no computer access yesterday. Our systems were completely down. Uh, and, and like I said, we were like starting over. So a couple of things that we would love for you to pray about. One is we'd love you to pray for the person or people who did this. Um, they need Jesus. And and um, I'm trying not to be angry, but every minute today when I'm trying to get adjusted to the changes in the computers... I don't think people realize when you're visually impaired like I am, you d- you depend on things being where they always are. And nothing is the same now. And uh, we're really, really, um, really struggling with it. So I'm mean, at this point, not sure I'm even going to be able to teach tomorrow night out of Isaiah. I'll teach something, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to teach out of Isaiah, which is our normal Wednesday night Old Testament study now, uh, simply because I have no access to the information and being visually impaired. I can't just take my Bible up and read it. I have to print things out really, really big, and, and our system has been really, really compromised. So uh, we're working on it, so we'd appreciate your prayers to get back quickly. We've got people that need to get paid, um, and we we can't even do that. So uh, we would appreciate knowing that you are all praying. Uh, we've had several other questions that were asked today because we were hacked. Uh, is our app safe to use? And the answer is yes. It has nothing to do with the app. This was a direct attack on our servers. We have our own um, closed in-house system here, and it was shredded uh, this weekend. So 
everything else is safe. Everything is normal. We've got our internet connection back up to the studio. Our website at calvarysa.com is intact. And uh, my producer's laughing at me because um, I, I've kept the same Windows operating port program. I think I had Windows 7. And uh, they couldn't reinstall Windows 7 because things change. And now I'm trying to adjust to Windows 10. And I don't even know what Windows or 10 means. So those are just really, really difficult things. Uh, but we're here. We're going to keep teaching the Word of God. And um, we're here for your phone calls. Uh, because I don't now, I don't have access to a lot of the questions that have been sent in. Uh, I also, we need to ask you to call if you have questions today, 340-9585. One other update, uh, we've asked you to pray, and we'd like to give you sort of a um, response, knowing that you were praying. Um, on Sunday, about uh, 1130, I think, uh, in the morning, uh, our kuka went to be with Jesus. We've been asking you to pray for her. She's been in the hospital and we knew the time was coming very, very quickly. She's 92. She's been with our church for 22 years. Um, and uh, what an amazing woman she was. And now she is has received the goal of her salvation. She's with Jesus, which is really the only thing she wanted. Her services are going to be uh, Thursday evening and then Friday morning uh, and internments her service. Um, if anybody who is listening wants some details, you can call the church office at 658-8337 for details, and we will get you those details. Again, thank you so much for praying. Keep your family in prayer. We've got uh, kids and great and grandkids and great-grandkids and, and I think a great-great-grandchild. So uh, keep them all in your prayers because obviously they're hurting now. Okay, let's get to some questions that have been Sent in via email today. Uh, my first one comes from, um, that's not it. See, I can't find the normal stuff. Uh, this one comes from our mobile app. It's from Annabelle. Um, she says, Pastor Ron, I'm 14. I was talking to my parents about this, and they suggested I email you. Is it okay to listen to secular songs with bad words or lyrics in them? And is it okay to watch movies that contain violence and swearing? Uh, Annabelle, I'm going to take two different approaches on this. Um, um, uh, the, the gym that I belong to, um, where there every day is the worst music ever. And they, they play it loud, and in many cases it's really vile, filthy language. Uh, but it just makes you angry with the constant repetition of the beats, you know, and it's just... Uh, um, you know, there's just some things that aren't good for you. And I would say there's nothing wrong with secular music. I want to make that clear. Uh, there's so much out there you can listen to. We were teasing some of our kids in our junior high group uh, this weekend. They went to a, uh, a concert here in town uh, with a boy band or something. I said, well, so, so what Christian group is this? And they said, oh, they're not Christians. And so we were just laughing at it. But see, there's nothing wrong with that. I love music, and and uh, the, the right kind of music is, is great. Uh, if, if you like the Beach Boys, you've got to be saved, that kind of thing in my background. Um, but when the, the, the words become vile, uh, or the lyrics are violent or harmful, uh, at the gym I was talking about, we've got some songs with lyrics about killing cops and and it seems like all of the lyrics are, are about really intimate sexual details. Just, those are not good things. So Annabelle, the answer to that question is no, it's not okay to listen to songs with bad words. There's too many songs out there with fine lyrics that you can listen to and, uh, and enjoy. Um, is it okay to watch movies that contain violence and swearing? Um... I'm not a fan of really, really violent movies. Um, not a fan, certainly, of swearing. Um, but the reality, Annabelle, is that we live in this world. And in this world, um, this is the way people talk now. For me, Annabelle, personally, and I'll just tell you me personally, where I draw the line at watching a movie, and it means I can't watch many movies, and I like movies, for me... 
I draw the line when they take God's name in vain. I just can't hear that. I, 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 there just isn't any reason whatsoever that I would want to listen to, to or watch a movie that would take the Lord's name in vain. So Paul and I, we actually walk out of the movies or the theater when that happens. We try to screen them beforehand, but sometimes we, we miss. So uh, Annabelle, there's one overarching caveat that I want to share with you. This is between you and your parents as well. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. It's the one thing that we really need to do. And if your parents are saying, don't go to that movie, they don't have to give you a reason. They love you, you know they love you. And so they don't have to give you a reason, so just do it to honor Jesus Christ. So I hope that helps, Annabelle. That's a great and thoughtful question. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Let's go to... Um, Jeff, the Methodist on line one. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Mike. Hi, Radio Pastor Ron. How you doing today? Good, Jeff. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm sorry to hear about Kuta. We've been praying for her all week. And, and uh, also, um, I know it's going to be a, a great homecoming for her. And uh, also, sorry to hear about your tech technological meltdown. Um, I was just just studying Matthew in 1633 uh, where he he says, you know, I've overcome the world. And just just the things that are happening are just incredible. Like the mass shootings and all the perpetrators is just one person. One person. And with, with all the progress uh, in the world, what comes with that? But more evil, and yep. less and less people need it anymore to, to perpetrate a crime. Uh, really, something. We'll be praying that you get fully restored. And sorry to hear about that. Thank you, Jeff. It'd be much easier if I was a little more computer literate and if I could see. <laughs> but but uh, it's just really frustrating and unnecessary and you're right we live in a time when good is called evil and evil good and and um um you know these kind of attacks uh are are i guess to be expected in this day and age but it really is a sad commentary so what's on your heart well first of all i wanted to comment on the sermon an excerpt i heard of yours last week that was just really touching it was the, i think your segment that comes on around six o'clock and uh, you were talking about Paul saying goodbye to the Church of Ephesus, mm-hmm. and just the emotion there, and and uh, also one thing that really really touched me was when you mentioned in that sermon when you were first starting the church and you're having your first Bible study, how you could pray that people would leave knowing that I loved. You. Mm-hmm. If they don't leave with anything else, they leave knowing that I love you. And man, I just really just that just I appreciate that so much because that's what it should be for us every day. I mean, yeah. You know, I, sometimes I sometimes I, I walk away from a situation and I say, Why didn't I open my mouth thank you? Or what kept me from from putting a seed, you know, in the conversation with that person that was at the counter, you know, or, or why did why was I not confident enough to open my mouth and, and tell them God loves you. Jesus loves you. Have a great day. Instead of just have a great day, you know. Tell it like it is. You know, we're we're in yeah. such a such a time now so volatile. You know, over the past month, I mean, you can't tell five minutes from now. We never could anyway, but we're going to be somewhere that, that something's going to happen. And then now we hear about how how the police have converted uh, other planned shootings. We better get ready. Got yep. preparing ourselves. He's he's coming, Jeff, for sure. He's coming for sure. 
You know, Jeff, there was a news story uh, in this past couple of days. A, a former All-American running back at UT, uh, Cedric Benson, was killed in a motorcycle accident. He and the young lady who was on the motorcycle with him. Uh, he's 36 years old. I think she was younger than he was. But, um, you know, a healthy, successful man made enough money that he set. And, and, and you know, he gets up one day and he's just gone. And nobody knows it's going to happen. The suddenness with which catastrophe can strike has always been overwhelming to me. And I want to be sure that if I'm out and have the opportunity, I want people to know about Jesus. Paul and I were at a business yesterday uh, that's owned by a, a lady who comes to our church, a wonderful lady, loves Jesus with all of her heart. And and uh, she, she, she said to one of her employees, and he's the one who, who grabbed us, that, uh, uh, share Jesus, let's, let's Pray for the people at the, at the place. And, and he asked me if we would pray before we left. And you get that opportunity. And, you know, it's awkward. There's people that don't like that. And certainly some just think that's way over the top in a place of employment. But the idea here is the time really is short. And if we really believe it, then what we'll do is care enough about people to tell them. We never know what's going on. Jeff, thanks a lot. I appreciate your call. More than you know. God bless you and your prayers for Kuka and her family uh, have been answered. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. 340-9585. We had an anonymous caller uh, who had to hang up. I'm sorry you had to hold too long. We will, uh, uh, lines are free now. If you can call back, we would love to have your phone call. Let's go to our next question here. It is... Keep getting the wrong thing. See, I can't figure out where I'm going. Here's a, from our email inbox from Jaden. Um, so God told us to spread the gospel to those who we see, but what about the people in the middle of Africa and has never heard of Jesus or the gospel? Do they go to hell or heaven? Uh, Jaden, everybody is responsible. Romans chapter 1 deals with this very specifically. Um, God has a witness in this world, uh, a witness of Creation. The heavens declare the glory of God day after day. They pour forth speech. There's no nation or language that, that cannot understand. Um, so the idea here is that um, um, we've got the witness of creation. We've got the witness of conscience. There's things that we know are just wrong. And when we do them anyway, we know what we're doing is wrong. So we're all guilty. And the idea that we need to always remember is that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so if anybody anywhere hasn't heard the name Jesus Christ, but they responded to the God of creation. I mean, think about it. The sun comes up in the same place every morning. You go to sleep at night. You wake up. It's still in the same place. The four seasons come at approximately the same times every year and have been doing that in perpetuity. So the idea is that, that there's a design that demands a designer. And the man or the woman that says, you know, whoever's responsible for that, I want to meet him. God's going to be sure. I, I refer to the story of the Ethiopian eunuch when Philip was, he left a thriving ministry in Samaria and, and told to go down uh, on the road to the desert in Gaza. And uh, uh, suddenly he sees this important Ethiopian official um, the Ethiopian official um, reading a scroll and Philip goes up beside him and says, what are you reading? And he shows him, I'm reading from Isaiah, but I don't know who he's talking about. And, and right there, Philip was able to tell him. Now, God performed a miracle, a supernatural miracle to make sure that that speaking eunuch heard about Jesus. Now, God does exactly the same thing today. So the gospel has been spread. The G- name of Jesus, the most famous name ever. The fact that there may be some remote tribe that hasn't heard about him, I promise you God has sent his messengers ahead of them. So we don't have to worry about that. If you respond to the revelation that you have, God will make sure you have an ever-increasing revelation, Jaden. Um, if you're worried about those in the middle of Africa and they've never heard of Jesus, pray for them. Maybe one day God will say, you're a missionary, I'm going to send you to them. In the meantime, just keep spreading the gospel to the people that come across your path now. Good question, Jaden. Thank you very, very much. 
Let's go back to the phones. We've got Cindy on line one. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Cindy, are you there? Classical music in the stores. Hey, Cindy, we you, you were cut off at the beginning, so start over. Okay, I do have a question, but this isn't it. I'm asking something else first. Do you remember in the stores when they used to play classical music? Yes. And I, I do, too. And, and now the music's so bad that even elevator music would sound better. Do you remember elevator music? <laughs> yeah, I do. Unfortunately. Okay, so now to my you're, question. You're going to give me nightmares, Cindy. <laughs> Okay, um, in Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5, it says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. And I wondered if you'd kind of clear that up, but give me like a conversation example of, of, of how to sort this one out. And I'll get off the phone, and I am praying for the hacker guy. I'm going to put a little posty note up on my sewing machine, so every time I sit down there, I'll be praying for whoever that was. Uh, thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it very, very much. Uh, Proverbs, remember in a proverb, we, we don't make doctrine out of, the, out of the book of Proverbs. This is a book of poetry. Um, and in, in many cases, Solomon is sort of giving a shotgun a, a, approach, just uh, one thought after another, so there's no real continuity. Um, these two verses can sound like a contradiction. We have to remember that's not possible because Solomon was the wisest man who's ever lived. Uh, what he's saying is if you argue with or respond to a foolish person, then you're going to end up looking foolish. What it means is that we shouldn't respond. If somebody's just being a foolish, then we don't really need to respond at all. And then in the fifth verse, it says, it, it means that we're to answer uh, the fool uh, when his foolishness might cause injury to others. Uh, in other words, dumb statements have to be dealt with. But, but that's the kind of context here. Uh, if, if somebody says something foolish and we answer, the, you know, the fool is going to feel vindicated. Uh, so, um, we, you know, we ignore the foolishness um, unless and until there's somebody else who's listening. And then, of course, we have to take a stand and we don't really worry so much about what's the possible ramifications of responding. So uh, it's better to ignore a fool. Uh, especially one who is particularly being foolish. Uh, and sometimes when trying to defend ourselves or defend an idea, we sound pretty foolish. Um, um, so what we need to do is make sure that privately we're just kind of staying out of their business. And I know that's not a real satisfactory answer, uh, Cindy. Uh, but, um, you know, cultures change. I'm not exactly sure what would be an example. If yeah, I'll, I can give you an example if... if some fool come talked about, well, well, I believe there's a flat earth. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't spend any time with him trying to convince him the earth is round. Um, if I did, then I might be in a position where, because I'm answering a foolish premise, uh, as a fool, uh, I wouldn't have the information I need, and, and, and the, the, the fool who initially made the statement would be somebody who uh, who would, would feel vindicated in the process. So it's just one of those things. Thank you, Cindy. I'm sorry I couldn't do better. We've got Anonymous back, I think. So Anonymous, uh, you're on the air. Thank you for calling back. Uh, yes, sir. I'm a, I'm a Christian. And, mm-hmm. you know, the devil is, you know, we all as a Christian you know the devil is a very evil, you know, deceptive person, you know? So, you know, in my case, I'm a Christian, but um, the devil sometimes puts doubt in my heart, and he'll even go as far as try to try to uh, give me trust in man instead of the Lord. You know. Oh, yeah. So my question is: Does God understand that this is what the devil is doing, and that I have nothing to worry about? <laughs> yeah, great question. Thank you very much, Anonymous. Uh, two things: one, um, since God radio, created. Sir. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you calling back. 
because God created the devil, uh, he didn't create him as the devil, he created him as Lucifer, uh, the highest order of angel, of course God understands what he's done. And in fact, Anonymous, Jesus tells us his job is to rob, to kill, to steal, and destroy. So there's nothing at all um, that's worrisome in terms of your relationship with the Lord uh, because the devil's attacking. That's exactly what his job is. You know, uh, uh, Paula has a thing with bugs and mosquitoes, and, and she goes, bugs do their job. Their job is bugging people. Well, the devil's job is to try to ruin people. And he wants to destroy any witness. He wants to destroy any joy. He wants to destroy any hope. And so he is going to do everything he can, push every button he can to make sure that happens. And when you said one of the things that he does is tries to get you to to trust in man instead of trusting in the Lord, that's a common problem we all have. In fact, I've been talking about that in our recent studies, uh, especially on Friday night, uh, because our default is to, to do what seems right to us. If you read the book of Judges, the theme of the entire book, the worst time in Israel's history, the the theme of the book is man did what seemed right in his own eyes. And in that case, um, that's always the enemy. And the fact that he is bothering you, that he's attacking you, indicates not only does he know you're a Christian, but he's trying to destroy any fruit that comes from your life. So take that sort of as a backhanded compliment. The devil's worried. He's going to try to destroy what you're trying to do. I might come back to that in just a minute. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. We've got 30 minutes left in the Tuesday show. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the Tuesday show, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, I want to say one more thing to our anonymous caller uh, about this. I would be more worried if I were you if the enemy wasn't messing with me, then, then if he was. Now, no, none of us likes spiritual warfare. We don't like the devil trying to confuse us or trying to, to, to throw us off track. Um, but, but the fact that he is simply is an indication that you're doing what God wants you to do. And because he wants you to share, he wants you to be faithful, he wants you to live uh, a life where your faith is evident to others, um, the enemy is going to try everything he can to destroy it. So um, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So we really don't need to worry about it at all. Again, it's not a pleasant thing to have the devil lying at you or attacking you. But it is an expected thing. So don't forget that, that Jesus is with you as long as you're with him. Um, the devil can huff and puff and threaten to blow your house down, but there's nothing he can do because you're with Jesus. Let's go to our next question. Here is a question from Caleb from our mobile app. Why was the Sabbath so important that people were executed for not keeping it? Um, Caleb, the Sabbath, under the law, um, the Sabbath was sort of the most important commandment. That was their perspective. And the Sabbath was a thing. It's like all legalism. You know, we can we can create a scenario where we are doing things, where we're going through the motions. And it's almost like, well, I kept the Sabbath, so I don't do anything else. And, and, and God overlooks the other days of the week and the things that I'm doing wrong. You know, uh, it's why Jesus continually was healing on the Sabbath and why he was continually being challenged by the religious leaders. He would heal and and, and he, he tried to give them a completely different perspective. The Sabbath uh, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He was trying to explain to them that they got it all wrong. Um, but no, they were keeping the law. And you know what happens, Caleb, when we are self-righteous, when we can do certain things and feel like, okay, God, you've got to be pleased with me. 
What's happened is our whole relationship with God is based on our performance and keeping one day is enough. Not only that, but even when in keeping the Sabbath, in keeping the Sabbath, they would violate it. Their hearts were wrong. I'll just give you one example. Um, the, the, the law allowed that you could walk about a fifth of a mile. It was called a Sabbath day journey. That means you could walk and you wouldn't be in violation of the law. But if you walked any farther from your home than that, that Sabbath day journey, a uh, fifth of a mile, well, then you were considered to have stepped over into working, violating the Sabbath. So here's what they did. We get our term lean to from their practice. What they would do is they would set up boards. If they wanted to go a little bit further, they would set up boards touching their house and each one would extend out a little bit farther so they could walk a little bit farther and say, no, I'm still only a Sabbath day journey from my house, even though there might be a half a mile of, of boards and lean-tos there. And, and, and Jesus came and, and called out their hypocrisy on these issues. So that's why they considered it so important. In fact, Caleb, they considered, the Pharisees did, Sadducees as well, that if if the Sabbath could be kept perfectly by one Jew one day that the Christ, the Messiah, would come. And so they placed all of their hope on their own performance. And as strange as that seems, sounds to us, uh, we're still doing kind of the same thing. You know, the people that are rule keepers, or at least I'm not like them, at least I do this. You know, I, I don't smoke or I don't drink. And those that do shouldn't uh, call themselves Christians kind of things. We look down and judge other people. The only difference is a set of rules. So that's why the Sabbath was important. And it was the bone of contention um, between Jesus and the religious leader. Good question. Let me go to... Manny's question. Oh, got a phone call. Hold on. Let's go there first. I can't find. Let's go to Scott in shirts on line one. Scott, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Uh, sorry to hear about your uh, technical difficulty there, and I'll be praying for you guys also. Thank you, Scott. I'm, I appreciate it. Um, I, I think this is a, a subject matter that would be good to maybe get a little input on. Um, I've had a lot of people approaching me on this, but this last Bible study we had, uh, um, one of the young ladies was concerned about worrying and whether it was a sin. And what I kind of answered her was, uh, you know, like First Peter 5, 7, says to cast our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. And I kind of used that and said it depends on what we do. If we hang on to it, if we dwell on it, if we live defeated because of it, it can become a sin. Um, and then another another student in the class thought that flat out any worry was sin. And another one kind of made an interesting statement. She said it was kind of like temptation. The temptation isn't a sin. It's what you do with that temptation. Um, but I, I, And I did a little research afterwards, and I don't really see anywhere in the Bible where it says worrying is a sin. So I just thought maybe I could get your comments on that. And I've been approached by other people, too, so it seems like it's kind of a, a common thing, at least amongst, amongst Christians right now. So I'll listen on the air, brother. I can, Scott. Thank you for all. I appreciate it very, very much. I, I also appreciate you teaching the Bible study, and, and um, God bless you. Uh, a couple of things. First, I, I couldn't agree more with, with the, the, the advice that you gave um, to, to, uh, in response to the questions. Um, the people that say sin is a worry because Jesus says do not worry or be anxious for nothing. Well, Jesus said don't do it. If you do it, it's sin. Uh, but it's like fear. Um, we live with fear. It's it's part of the human condition. We live with worry. If Jesus um, didn't understand that we were worriers by nature, he never would have said do not worry. And he's always saying, do not worry. And he's always saying, do not be afraid. In fact, the angels, when they appear, are always saying, do not be afraid. Uh, but but these, this is part of the human condition that we live in. And um, what we've got to do, when Peter said, cast your anxieties or your cares on him because he cares for you, uh, if, if there weren't cares or anxiety 
uh, to throw down, then, then that would be a pointless statement. So the reality is that we're all afraid. Now, I've shared this with my church, Scott, very directly. I, I live in fear every day, every single day. Um, you know, there, there's so many people that um, depend on on us, the Lord and, and me and the church here for a living. Uh, there are people uh, whose lives and, and their personal circumstances are such that that they're 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 watching us all the time. I don't want to blow it. I don't want to blow it, and so I'm afraid. Our our situation here with money is always a source of fear. It's what we do with the fear, and that's why I loved your response. It's what we do with the fear. If if we give in to fear and then we're paralyzed by fear, that's when we've gone uh, cross that line into sin. Uh, the same thing is true with worry. If I let worry, if I let worry change the way I respond to the Lord or change the decisions I make, well, then I've taken uh, a normal human response. And instead of dealing with it by faith, then I deal with it according to flesh, and I give in to the worry. And and the idea is, it's always what we do with those things. And the person who said it's like temptation, uh, it's the same thing. Temptation is not sin. It's only when we give in to the temptation that it becomes sin. But in this case, with, with anxiety, with worry, um, because that's part of the human condition, Jesus really understands... Paula has a saying around here. She says to the ladies all the time, she says, if you're afraid, do it afraid. And and that's the way we respond by fear. Acts 5.32 says God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And it's when we are uh, being obedient that the power of God comes and overcomes our, our, our worry or our, or our fear. And I think when we step out in faith, Scott, when we are the most afraid, I personally think that's when Jesus is the most pleased. It's almost like he's looking and saying, oh, she trusts me, or oh, he really believes I'm going to take care of him. So fear and worry are two things that we're going to be with, part of the condition that we live in. And what we're going to do is, is just lay those down at the foot of the cross every single day. And when I said and have said to my church that I live in fear every day, uh, I'm saying that because that's honest, it's true, but my church can look and say, well, fear never stops him from doing what God tells him to do. And I want them to know that they can have that same response whenever they're worried or afraid about something. Great question, Scott. Thank you very, very much. I like the discussions you get from your Bible studies. That means you're a good Bible teacher. Let's go to Federico on line one. Federico, thanks for calling. You're on the air. How are you doing, Pastor Ron? I'm doing well, was, thank you. That's great, Pastor. Pastor, I was listening to to the news in a certain radio station, and, and they were promoting towards the end of the news of some movie where they're showing 12 and 13-year-olds. They're promoting it as a comedy, and they're showing 12 and 13-year-olds playing with sex toys. Uh. I couldn't believe it, and 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 the and the guy from the radio station, he said, 12, 13 years old, shouldn't kids be be not allowed?" He said, "No, they're not allowed. There, it's rated R." But still, you know, <laughs> kids are going to get in there, and 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 if if I give a cigarette to a minor pastor, I, that's corruption of a minor. Yep. And I think we should keep bring into account those Hollywood producers and record company producers that are doing the same thing: corruption of minors. And I'm just calling for prayers for for Congress to take action on on these movies and and, and music coming out of uh, these record companies and, and Hollywood. Yeah. It's just further corrupting our society now. Someone's got to raise up the banners. Federico, yeah. I I couldn't agree more. You know, I I think how we do it is the question, and and I can promise you that Hollywood producers aren't going to be held to account and. I can promise you that that uh, when we point these things out, we're going to be laughed at and mocked. But Jesus said those things are going to happen. We're going to suffer persecution. But it is true we also have to take a stand for righteousness. Um, I have not seen the trailers to the movie that you're talking about, uh, but nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing surprises me. And I wonder what's happened to the parents. 
I mean, you, you think about a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old actor in a movie like that, and, and you wonder oh, what, what in the world has happened to their parents. And the truth is, good is called evil, and evil is called good. That's the time we live in, and there's nothing in all that we can do. I can also promise you this, that Congress is just as corrupt as the movie studios. And by that, I mean they don't care about what's righteous. They don't care uh, about what God says or doesn't say. Uh, We can't solve problems in this country that, that ought to be obvious to everyone. So these are just the kind of things that, well, it's just a movie. It's just more... Uh, what it is, is we live in Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jesus is coming back. So, Federico, pray for the lost. Uh, pray for yes, those who are going to be impacted by this. Pray for the parents who would let their children go see something like this. Uh, and and pray for Jesus' return. He's going to come. He's got to be getting ready. And we want to be ready when he does. And And I think the best thing that we can do in the interim is instead of worrying about the people that we're never going to see, you, you said we could call on Congress, you're probably never going to go and see the senators or the, the, the congressmen or women. But here's what you can do. The next person that you come into contact with that, that takes the Lord's name in vain or uses foul language, you can, you can look at them and say, oh man, I wish you wouldn't talk like that. I love Jesus so much. And he loves you. And, and uh, you know, we, we, can, we can make our witness take a stand for, for what's right. And uh, it's not as hard as people think it is. I've had one person really, really get angry with me. I was at the gym and really, really get angry with me for uh, for, for approaching about his language. And um, I actually thought he, he, in fact, he threatened to hit me. And um, um, it didn't happen. He came over about a half hour later and really profusely apologized to, to uh, Paula and me. Um, and, and see, we can we can interact with people on a one-on-one basis. We're not going to solve huge problems. We're not going to be, be able to pass out petitions or, or boycott places. What we do is we just tell people about Jesus. Whoever is in front of us, that's the way we show them the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Federico, thank you for your call. And I pray you so thank God you, for your program. God bless you. Thank you. I appreciate your heart. Every time Federico's called... I think that's the third or fourth time. Every time he's called, his heart is just out there. And I really, really like that. Hold on, I got it. I'm sorry for the quiet air. I am uh, not able to see this new stuff on this computer, and it's really tough. Here is a question from our email inbox from Joe. Um, can you please pray for my coworker David today and ask the listeners to also I'll talk with you before about him. He's the older gentleman who said he can't accept Jesus because of his fragile mental state. Hmm. He's pretty bad off health-wise, in and out of the hospital for months, and everything's been really scary. When I offered to introduce him to Jesus, again he declined, saying he tried to recently in the hospital but he went into delusional episode for 24 hours after that, um, result, describing sinister hallucinations. Uh, thanks. I love you. I'm listening to the radio show. Joe, thank you. Um, you know, maybe you could try this. Uh, the, the reason that he's having those um, sinister hallucinations, uh, the reason that he's in a delicate mental state, um, is because he's got an enemy who's attacking him. It's the reason that he should receive Christ. So all you can do is keep witnessing, keep praying, let him know that when he's making these excuses, he's making excuses against the only one who can possibly help. And if he wants peace of heart and peace of mind, as he's not getting any healthier, as he as he's getting closer and closer to eternity, He's turning away from the only one who can offer him the peace that he's looking for. And we will be praying for him. In fact, let me pray for him really quickly now, uh, Joe, and we'll ask our audience to put him on their prayer list as well. Uh, Lord, we do pray for David today and ask that, that you would move on his heart. Offer him just a moment of clarity, um, a moment of peace, and then let him know whether it's 
just by revelation or through Joe or for anybody else, Lord, who's a believer, let him know that, that it's you knocking at the door of his heart. And that you love him, you don't want him to die. Because if he dies apart from you, he'll go to hell. Lord, ask him to be yours and deliver him from himself, Lord, and from the lies of an enemy. Amen. Thank you, Joe, for the opportunity. Keep us posted how he is doing. Here is, uh, oh, we got Tanya from San Leandro, California on line one. Tanya, good to hear from you again. It's been too long. I know, Papa Ron. I, I, I have to express um, Federico's sentiment earlier. I, we just came back from New York City, and it, what I saw there was things I never would envision I would see at the age of 46, um, for sure. And so, along with the folks of, that we're praying for, please don't forget New York City, because I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just really couldn't believe what I was seeing. And so... My heart was with them. I did encourage the brothers and sisters that were there that were sharing the gospel, um, despite being mocked and laughed at. And um, it was interesting. But I'm glad to be home. Um, it, it gave me a new resurgence to pray and how to pray um, yep. for the folks that are lost. And so I was grateful for that experience, although very painful and, and heartbreaking to watch people willingly reject a, a loving savior. So um, this leads me to another question, Pastor Ron. I, I, I want to try, I need your advice on how to speak, uh, how to properly convey to a fellow uh, believer that we're no longer bound by the law of the Ten Commandments. And I know Jesus speaks about all of them with the exception of the Sabbath. Um, is there a better way to try to um, I've got a friend, and, and I know he loves the Lord. He's very big on, you know, well, this and that, and the Ten Commandments, Ten Com- everything's Ten Commandments. And, and I'm trying to, to be uh, kind and respectful, and, and, and I, 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 I would never be disrespectful, as, as you know, but just thinking maybe there's a better way to, uh, other than actually, open, I mean, I've showed, showed in the Scriptures, you know, um, when Paul, when Peter says that when Jesus tells Peter, "Don't call anything unclean," that I've ke- that I've called clean, and I, I've tried to explain that way. Um, I've prayed about it certainly, but thought maybe there was um, something. Maybe you've shared with someone along the way about the Ten Commandments and how Jesus fulfilled the old law. Um, anything yeah. I may be missing, and I'll take your answer off the air. And I love you guys, and I miss you guys immensely. Thank Tanya. I appreciate it very very much, and give everybody there my love. Miss them. A um, couple of things, you know, uh, I, I run into an awful lot of legalists, and um, I, I always ask them, so tell me how that's working out for you. I mean, where's the joy? I, I mean, you know, legalists, they're walking around like their shoes are four sizes too small for them and their feet hurt. Um, so, so just ask them, how's that working out for you? Hebrews chapter 4, as it relates to the Sabbath, says Jesus has fulfilled that rest. Romans and Hebrews both go into excruciating detail about how Jesus fulfilled the law because we couldn't. And Jesus himself raised the stakes. The law can be summed up in this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and might. And love your neighbor. If they want to be legalistic about something, tell them to focus on those commandments. Because those are the ones that Jesus had summed up the entirety of the law. And other than witnessing to them by the joy that you have, and obviously praying for them, there's nothing you can do. Legalists think they're mature Christians. They think they've got everything figured out. When in fact, Paul says in his letter to the Romans that the legalist is actually the weak Christian. The one who insists that others keep rules when he himself or she herself can't keep rule. And just, I always just keep hitting on him with joy. Where's your joy? Why do you act like Jesus was the author of your faith, but you have to be the finisher of your faith? The book of Galatians. Paul said, you started in the spirit. Are you going to finish now in the flesh? You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? 
And Tanya, those are the things that you really, really have to focus on. And then uh, it, it's, a, it's a, a matter now between the Holy Spirit and, and this person. So I know you love them. Keep praying for them. Um, I find personally it doesn't um, do much in, in terms of good to, to continually keep arguing with them about whether or not they keep the law or whether or not we have to keep the law. If he is or she is rational, logical, and open the Bible to Exodus chapter 20 and ask him, tell me, without any comment, tell me, to whom was the law given? Was the law given to you? No, it wasn't. The law was given to God's people, Israel. Would the world be a better place if everybody had lived according to Ten Commandments? Of course it would. But grace came because people can't. One other comment that sometimes has been helpful. I tell the legalist to read the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in Matthew chapter 5, because Jesus, as clearly as possible, says, you think keeping the law is going to justify you? Well, then let me raise the stakes. How about keeping the spirit behind the law? You've heard that it was said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, if you look at a woman with lust, you're guilty of adultery. How are you doing with that one? And they're in a miserable place. Just don't let them make your place miserable. And I know, Tanya, you won't. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Appreciate your patience with me with everything in a different place on the computer. I can't find it, so I apologize for struggling. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Honey.